Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Hello and welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple, the podcast that's all about taking the complexity out of real estate investing so that you can take action today. I am your host, Anthony Vecino of Invictus Capital, joined once again, as per usual, as per always, the one, the only, Dan Kruger. You sound so excited. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to have you here too. You sound underwhelmed. You know, oh, I um... I was listening back to an episode that we did. Uh, I must, it, the episode probably came out last week, actually. And it's the one where I was like really, really amped up and excited during the intro. And this week, we're bringing it down. It's all about the... Yeah, what happened? It's about the variability. We don't want the audience to get too um, into a pattern where they're expecting it's always the same thing. We got to keep you guys on your toes. Yeah. It makes it exciting. Keep the... I don't know what I'm going to get. Keep the excitement in the relationship, you know? So this, so this week, speaking of excitement, we are going to dive into a very exciting topic. We're going to talk about the difference between poor people and rich people. Mm. That sounds both inflammatory, but also potentially interesting. It sounds controversial. Could be. Maybe this is clickbait. Maybe there's actually going to be something of uh, deep, deep value here. I You'll just have to keep listening a- to find out. Yeah, I wouldn't mind if there's a little debate going on in the uh, comments when people listen to this. Mm-hmm. Let us know your thoughts on our concepts here. We're going to be talking about something that's um, I find just really fascinating. And that's just you know human behavior, right? Mm-hmm. And really kind of taking a look at different types of people and what separates them apart uh, from one another, or what what kind of behavioral traits are different. And so, what are the, like the three types of people that we're talking about today? Yeah, specifically, we're going to be talking about uh, poor people. We're going to talk about the middle class people. We're going to talk about rich people. Now, this is a moving target, and you can define this in all different types of ways. And we're going to be talking hyperbolically and in massive generalizations here. So this isn't always the case. But the phrase that we want to use today, and we're going to unpack why this is, um, and you might have heard this before, it goes like this. The poor spend. The middle class save. The rich invest. So let's unpack this. And of course, again, this is the disclaimer. This is broad hyperbole. This isn't the case always. But generally, you know, one of the reasons why people who are poor or in the middle class, and this is this goes for me too, if you rewind, you know, 15 years ago or so, is um, because of our financial literacy and our understanding of systems and how money works and how saving isn't really a viable option if you want to achieve financial independence or wealth. So Dan, let's unpack this a little bit. Tell me, what do you think when you hear the words that the poor spend, the middle class saves, and the rich invest? Yeah, that strikes a tone with me uh, quite a bit just because it really kind of aligns with 
uh, where I came from in life. Uh, I came from uh, a family that had a very, very um, uh, 1950s, 1960s kind of philosophy when it came to money, right? Uh, the concept of saving uh, was huge, right? And that's something that uh, worked for like a really long time. Like that was a legitimate plan. You could use a savings account and do pretty well in life. Uh, you used to get eight, nine, at sometimes 10% in a savings account. Like, so that was actually a legitimate strategy for a long time. There were many generations, including, you know, our parents were in our mid thirties. So our parents were on the tail end of that, where that actually was kind of a thing that worked. And that's what kind of got passed down to me during a period in the eighties and nineties where that was actually in the process of changing. So we, we kind of got like a, an out of date message, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and that unfortunately is kind of like the, the message that has stuck with people that fall in, in lower income categories and people that are typically don't have a lot, a lot of money They have this, this behavioral tendency to, uh, look at money as something that could be used for, uh, immediate gratification, right? You can get something quick out of it. You can get a thing, you can get a, an item, a material item, a quick uh, dopamine hit or something like that, but they don't look at it as something that could be used to uh, produce something in the future, right? Mm -hmm. Or go some quick pleasure for some better future outcome. Yeah. I think part of the problem when I think about the, the idea that the poor spend is one is, is understanding that a lot of people like 40% of the population lives paycheck to paycheck, or they don't have any investable assets. And this is because they they're living so close to that threshold between their expenses and their income. So step one in that situation is to always try to increase the margin between those two, decrease the expenses as much as you can. But the problem is that people that are struggling financially, they use money often as a, a reprieve, a respite from the struggles of everyday life of like waking up and working maybe two jobs, barely getting by. And it's this constant struggle. So then spending money on like a fresh pair of kicks or a new shirt or something that you can't afford, but you put it on the credit card because you just need that little win. Right. And so that's what ends up happening for people who are in that low, low socioeconomic status is that they're constantly spending. They can't ever get caught up because they're using it as a surrogate for that dopamine hit that Dan alluded to before. And then from there, as you move up and maybe you maybe you're now having that margin and you figured out how to start um, spending less than you make. And now you have a little bit that you can you can save. Well, now the problem becomes, well, saving isn't a good alternative or a good option if you want to build wealth because it's constantly being devalued through inflation and just, you know, the, the money that's all being printed right now. And so what you're, what you need to do is reframe your perspective on what money really is. And the way I like to think about it is money is a unit of time, right? Like I had to exchange either my time or maybe an employee's time or an asset that I controls time to get a dollar. And now I can use that dollar in the future to purchase somebody else's time. And that's really what a product is at the end of the day, like a phone, somebody had to invest time and energy into designing it, into building the manufacturing facility, to hiring people, to employing and to all the work that goes into it. And so when I spend that dollar in the future, it's a unit of time. Now, the problem is, is if you're working and you think that you can save your way to wealth, well, the problem is that you only have so much time. It's a finite resource, right? You maybe have 80 years on this planet. And so you, even if you were working 24 hours a day, you're, that's, not a, that's not a viable option. Whereas money is infinite in the grand scheme of things. So if you can find a way to make your money work for you, then you can divorce 
your time from the equation because now every one of your dollars has 24 hours. And if you can put them all to work for those 24 hours, well, then you can scale infinitely in a way that your personal time just doesn't. Yeah, I think the the main problem with the people that fall into the middle kind of category here, where they're uh, they're making enough money to get by, and they've got something left over, and they're you know saving as their strategy for for building. Well, I think the main issue with this uh, cohort is just really a a lack of deep understanding of how money works and what it truly is. And I think Anthony hit the nail on the head when he described a dollar as a unit of time. Because that's effectively what it is, and I think that's the main disconnect from people that are investing and uh, people who are in saving it, is they just don't really fully appreciate uh, the scalable nature of investing and the uh, the exponential growth. And they see what maybe they have a thousand dollars that they can put it to work now, and so they look at what they could potentially do with that and say, oh, maybe I can get ten or fifteen percent, like. It's not that much money. Like, why would I go and do that? That's that's not much. But they don't really do the math and extrapolate it out 20, 30 years and look like what it looks and see what it looks like if they keep investing and, and it, reinvesting uh, the profits from these things. And so even on a, a very modest scale, consistent uh, habitual investing behavior is going to end up uh, working out pretty well for you, even if you're not, you know, in real estate and doing, you know, what we're in love with, you know, if you want to do just the stock market stuff, because that's what you get, it's at least it's something. Um, but I think that a lot of people are just kind of saving because they just, they don't really know what to do and mm-hmm. they'd rather save their money in the bank than do something, um, that they don't understand, which I think is good. That's a good place to be. I'd rather see people saving as opposed to jumping into something that they don't understand. So, you mm-hmm. know, spend your time in the saving, uh, camp as long as you need to, to, to learn enough to go in and do the next thing, but don't get stuck there. Some people get stuck there. A lot of people get stuck so. there because it's scary. It's overwhelming a little bit mm-hmm. to, to think about all the different things that you could invest in real estate or stocks, bonds, crypto. It's like, it's, there's a lot that you can unpack, but the problem I, I really want to encourage people um, it, to change their mind on, in, in terms of how they think about money is a lot of people think, whatever, I'll just save. It's, oh, it's not a big deal. I'll just work really hard. I'll increase my income and I'll just keep socking it away. And, you know, maybe in 40 years I'll have saved a couple million dollars. But the problem with that is like really understanding how much your money is losing in its value every year, especially in the last year where we saw like, here's an interesting statistic is that like 30% of all the dollars in, in um, circulation were printed in the last year. And if you follow just basic economic principles of supply and demand, like that devalues the value, the, the, the purchasing power of your dollar in real time. And so if you're not doing something with that, if you're not investing it, it's not just losing a little bit of value. It's losing a lot of value really rapidly. And I think a lot of people just don't, they don't see it. 100%. They don't see yeah. it on a graph. They don't see it hit their bank account in real time. So they don't realize like in the last year, your, your dollar got devalued by 20%. Like that's huge. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things that 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 the people in this middle um, category don't uh, grasp, or they have trouble grasping, which makes perfect sense because it is not an intuitive concept at all. But what people need to understand is there's really two ways that the government can get money. They only have two sources of revenue. Uh, one is taxation. Um, and people uh, tend not to like to be taxed. So there's there's a better way to package that same process of getting money out of your pocket, and that's just to print more money. And as the government go out and spend that on all the things you want to spend it on before it works its way out into society and uh, becomes worth less because there's so much of it, right? So they get today's purchasing power uh, with the money they print, and then by the time it works its way into your hands, it's worth less, 
because there's the same amount of goods and services and a whole lot more dollars. And effectively, you've got monopoly money. And so each dollar is just going to buy you less and less. And we can see this uh, right now. Any restaurant you go into, um, you're paying more than you paid two years ago for the exact same thing. And a lot of these places have also decreased their quality of materials they're using. So you're actually getting less for more money than you used to. And it's really, it's a sneaky tax is what it is. If the government can't tax people because it's not on brand uh, with what people want, then they'll just print more money and still get the money they need. And people don't realize it's coming out of their future pockets. Mm -hmm. So that's the main thing that people don't understand about inflation and why uh, people look at me and scratch their heads when I say I look at money in a savings account like I look at an ice cream cone on a hot day. So it's just rapidly, rapidly turning into nothing. <laughs> yeah. So. And, and, and if there's one point I could just drive home here, like when we're talking about the poor and they spending, that, that's really just learning basic financial literacy and understanding. Like how do we bridge the gap between not spending so much, decreasing our expenses and increasing our revenue? You do that, you stop using credit cards and you start understanding the basics of financial finances. You can very rapidly get into that middle class sector. And that's where everybody gets trapped is in that savings thing because they don't understand. They don't, they don't see it in real time. Like my money is losing its value. And that's why whether you're investing in real estate, we like real estate because it's a real asset that can't, it, it doesn't lose its value in the same way. Like you can't just print another building and therefore our building is worth exactly 50% of what it was before. Like you can't do that. So it, it retains value in the way that the dollar doesn't because they could just keep printing that into in, in, eternity. Yeah. Right? Scarcity is where value comes from. Really. Exactly. If you have unlimited uh, supply of a thing, it becomes worthless. At a certain point, right? Um, so it's it's a crazy topic, and it's really kind of a, a tough to wrap your head around the first few times you, you become aware of it. So you've got to really kind of sometimes see it visually. Um, there's some good videos out there on YouTube that I found that have really kind of illustrated the process of the mm -hmm. money creation and the money supply and like how that all works. I think Ray Dalio had a really good one, right? Uh, yeah, I think Dalio had one. Um, it's like the basics of the, the economic machine or something. I yeah, think I mean, is what he it was, was talking more so just it's, about the debt cycle and the market cycle. But there's another one that I found. I'm, I'm going to see if I can find it and put it in the show notes for this. I can't guarantee it's going to be there. But there's one that really used a lot of visuals to just show uh, the logistics of the creation and like where the dollars actually come from. And no, they don't actually print anything these days it's just um yeah that's a funny thing to too, a right? spreadsheet yeah on the, <laughs> they're, they're, they're not actually out there like printing There's more no cash, cash <laughs> yeah. these days it's just uh, someone just enters a, a few extra zeros in their bank account at the fed and uh, boom it's there which I'm is just, even scarier if you think about it like it's yeah. just somebody changes a dollar on or a number a digit on a spreadsheet and suddenly your money is worth less yep oh <laughs> whoops <laughs> Anyways, okay, so this is a long 10-minute episode, but it's such an important topic that um, I'm okay going a little bit long. Hopefully, you guys that were joining us um, from home or in your car or at work, um, hopefully you can forgive us for going a little bit long. We appreciate you. Take a little bit of time, if you could, maybe just uh, to go over to Amazon and pick up you know, this this book. It's okay. lovely. This lovely book, book Passive Investing Made Simple. If oh. you guys, I forget that this is a podcast, not a video. Um, but if you're interested in watching these videos, they all are posted to YouTube at Multifamily Investing Made Simple. So go check it out. Um, you can see all our podcasts there. Otherwise, we will see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us.
Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.